This is This Week in Common Sense starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Virkula, and let's get right into the show for the third week of 2021. Joe Biden is president of the United States. That's the big news this yeah. week. I don't think there's any way around that. Yes, yes, that is the big news. And we, we talked about uh, Mr. Biden, but you know who got short shrift? And uh, I'm not alleging racism, structural racism or otherwise, but you should throw up on the, maybe throw up isn't the right term to use here. <laughs> you should place upon the screen our graphic meme with the quote from Martin Luther King on Monday I guess we kind of, uh, you know, we didn't write a, a script. We we used a quote that uh, that I had written a script years ago about uh, Martin Luther King, where he says, "A man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. A man dies when he refuses to take a stand for that which is true." So we are going to stand up right here, letting the world know we are determined to be free. And it's a wonderful quotation, but that and that that says nice stuff, but it isn't the full. If you go to thisiscommonsense.org and you go to where this wonderful, beautiful uh, meme uh, exists, below it is the full quotation, about four paragraphs or five. Uh, and it's it's really kind of an important thing that I think he says. And not only that, but just to have the better, bigger, better deal. Um, you can also see him say it on YouTube of all places. You better watch it quick because who knows if the winds of, of change, you know, blow through, they may, they may, uh, you know, block that from being shown. But that was our Monday's, uh, non-commentary. And it did, it did seem like there was just nothing about Martin Luther King's birthday. I, I mean, I, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. Maybe there was stuff I didn't, I didn't see or something, but it seemed this year that it got a little bit of short shrift because of the inauguration and because of all the, you know, the kind of the hoopla that we have to worry about domestic terrorism. And, you know, I have to say, I've been so busy this week. I feel like I missed the news. I don't know how many different state capitals were there uh, white supremacist attacks or or riots or I mean, there, I know that there was a lot of police presence, but I just. I didn't see the follow-up stories on how many different attacks on state capitals there were around the country. You have any idea what that number is, Tim? I uh, I would put it pretty low. I only saw Antifa people going wacko because near in my neck of the woods in Portland and Seattle, Antifa were uh, attacking Biden headquarters, Democratic headquarters. They were just causing a normal Antifa kind of storm. You know the thing that anti-fascists apparently do uh, with regularity now. I didn't see any uh, tr Trumpian nonsense, though. We have to remember this is Q ended on the day that uh, when when Biden was being sworn in, the influence of Q evaporated pretty quickly. So QAnon is. No more. Uh, so I think we now know kind of what QAnon was. I think we pretty much know what QAnon was. And that's very interesting, but we couldn't cover it. But, you know, there you are. What, what, what was it? Oh, almost certainly it was a PSYOP designed, uh, designed as, a, uh, as a way of uh, taking the energy out of and misdirecting the energy of the, of the, of the Trump supporters. Uh, it let them go off of these fanciful, idiotic directions that, you know, never seemed very convincing but they awfully were entertaining and I, I do want to mention this Q, most people in America 
are very tolerant of and kind of like big budget science fiction, but QAnon was science fiction for everybody. And uh, at least, and you people. didn't even have to buy a ticket. Didn't, you didn't have, have to buy, a to buy popcorn you... and a coke. You could just have them at home. Right. It just just you know on Twitter or on Instagram and QAnon was <laughs> everywhere. And... You didn't have to spend the twenty dollars right. on popcorn. And a Coke. Right. You could, you could, you could watch it in your, and you could imbibe QAnon in your underwear pretty easily. And uh, and no. I can, I'm going to miss it like I like I miss. tell people everything. <laughs> yeah. I like, I'm going to miss it like I miss Pepe. I miss Pepe. Pepe is one of my favorite things that's happened in the last 20 years. And uh, and I miss him. And, I'm, and I guess I'm going to miss QAnon too. Uh, but we'll see what happens there, you know. But. You know what I, uh, and I don't necessarily miss it, but I, I used to kind of keep track as I look at the Washington Post of all the vicious, nasty headlines about Trump. And now it's like, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips or something. because It's all, you know, it's almost like the high school journalism Biden excited. You know, everyone in, in journalism was always in high school. Everyone was excited because they won some award or got some. And, and uh Every headline in the Washington Post is Biden tackles this Biden. You know, I mean, it it just it it's kind of sad. And I'm sure we will talk next week about a story that just came out where the Washington Post has gone back to a story they wrote about Kamala Harris in 2019. And they've changed the lead to that story which was a story about her making a joke about prisoners begging for food and that that's how it feels to be a presidential candidate. And um, apparently the Washington Post went back and changed that opening, which was, I think, somewhat embarrassing for her, wasn't a good look. You know, in the grand scheme of things, if, if what you don't like about Kamala Harris is that she one time told a joke or made a little funny. And I mean, her laugh is something else altogether. People might not like her, my laugh, but, but her laugh, whoa, it, it's out there for me, but that's okay. Um, I'm not opposed to Kamala Harris because of her laugh. Uh, people can laugh however they want, but, um, but this wasn't really a, a funny, it was just kind of, it, it put, um, prisoners in kind of a bad light, which people often do in conversation. Uh, maybe we ought to think twice about that. For, for her, of course, it touches on the fact that she was a prosecutor. She was the AG in California, the attorney general. And she was, let's think, horrible as in, in terms of any type of criminal justice uh, what she now as a presidential candidate and then VP candidate and now vice president of these United States is saying is all about criminal justice reform and and is a 180 degree different tone than she took for years as AG. Um, and so, you know, it, it implicates her track record. But. In the grand scheme of things, who's running back to some story in 2019? And after you explain people all the context, I mean, what is this? This is a nothing burger in terms of Harris. But to me, this is a huge story in terms of the Washington Post. 
what motivates the Washington Post to an editor woke up one day and said, you know, I remember that story. It's always bugged me about Kamala Harris. We got to go back and change that. It just somehow was unfair to tell a true story about her. I don't know. I don't think that's what happened. Here's what I think happened. I think they pushed back on that story and they wanted that story. I'm talking about the Harris people at the time. Um, and somebody somewhere made a connection and the Washington Post decided to self-censor. But of course, they're self-censoring to further their political goals. That's what the Washington Post is about. The Washington Post is a political action committee. And I have nothing against that. I work with political action committees all the time. I just dislike that they lie about it and that they pretend that there's something else. But the Washington Post went back and took that information and threw it down the memory hole. They are, I wonder if we're gonna get a full newspaper tomorrow because they're so busy going back in the past to change history. I mean, that to me, it's one of those little tiny things. It's, it's not that they took four or five million dollars from the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, to run ads in their paper, which of course they did. That's not that that's a minor, you know, that's a big story for some people, but didn't get much coverage either. But this is kind of a little bitty story, a little bitty snip on a 2019 story. And it tells you, I think, everything you need to know about how much you can trust the media. Zero. Zero. And and I shouldn't paint with that broader brush. I'm sure there's a, somewhere, somewhere out there is a media operation you can trust. I, I, I promise you put it a different way. I don't know of any media operation I trust less than I trust the Washington Post. And that here, here's exhibit A in why. I would say MSNBC and CNN would be right up there. The Atlantic, I trust to be almost unreadable nowadays because their ideological agenda is so obvious and so relentless. And they were such, for several years there, every email synopsis of their stories of a day was an anti-Trump thing. It was all anti-Trump, anti-Trump all the time. But going back in time to fix articles for an agenda... Fix yeah. is the appropriate word here. That is, that is, uh, well, we hate to use the word Orwellian, but it, it does remind you of something you read in 1984 because, you know, well, he who controls heard, the past, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And and I heard because, or, or read because uh, my wife pointed it out to me, but she saw on Facebook a, uh, a, a reason piece uh, talking about the memory hole, that it was thrown down the memory hole, uh, which is from 1984. It's, it is altering the past. I can, and this is this is the kind of crazy world that, that directly affects me. And of course, that's the most important of all. <laughs> but, but I can imagine six months, you know, from now, if I hadn't seen that reason story, that maybe that story about Harris would have stuck in my mind and that, that thing about her laughing. And there'd be some event happened that caused me to, to connect the two. And I would go to the Washington Post and I would think, oh, I've got it. This is going to be a great commentary where I connect these two things. Nobody else in the country or the world will have done it. 
and I'll go back to that Washington Post story and I'll search and I'll search and I'll think, this is the story. No, yes, this is the story. Wait, it's not there. Well, and then, oh, I must be wrong. Uh, I need to keep searching. I, I mean, I could just see myself spending hours trying to find this thing kind of in the in the gaslighting. I mean, maybe we should call the Washington Post the Gaslight Gazette. It's 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 the same sort of thing. They're creating a non-reality. They ran that story. They are an important paper of record. I say important, not to say good, <laughs> just to say important, powerful. And and I think people, especially you know, for years in politics, people are well, you know, most people get their news from from TV and so on. The Washington Post and the New York Times drive media in this country, and and people need to understand that. The, the TV folks look pretty and they've got, how do I look? Okay, I'm going on in a few minutes. They're not out there digging for all the information and they're using the foundation of big newspapers. And then, you know, the LA Times, the Chicago Tribune, uh, you know, they're driving at some too, but the Post and the Times, if you go around the country and you look at little newspapers, littler, um, you know, the Des Moines Register, I don't, I don't know specifically, but I go, I go home to Arkansas Democrat Gazette in Little Rock, which is a dominant paper in the massive, uh, most important state in the, in the country, Arkansas. And um, its national stories are almost all Washington Post, New York Times stories. And it's not alone. You know, you, you go through all throughout the country, and that's the case. So the way they're spinning things is not just affecting, you know, Washington and New York. It's affecting the whole country. It's affecting what you hear on the radio even, and especially what you hear on television. So this is a, you know, we haven't done any of the scripts this week, but, uh, you know, we were, what, 20 minutes in. But this is an important story, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write something about it next week. It's, again, it's, it's what sometimes... You know, sometimes you can know all kinds of big pieces of information, but it's the little thing that you find out that just says we got a big problem. Let me let me mention two of the scripts that that uh, I don't think we have to talk much further about, because I think people are going to say, Paul, I want to go read it. I want to read that first. And I really want to I want to experience that way. And that is Desperate Times Measures which uh, we did on Thursday, and we pointed out what a desperate time we live in. Uh, desperate times call for desperate politicians who, I can't see without my glasses, demand des desperate measures and so on. It's desperate countermeasures. Yeah, I, I am getting so old, I can't read that there with, without my glasses. If I put my glasses on, then I look funny with glasses. But uh, what's interesting about this, we just pulled some things, you know, we, oh, this, we're all talking about America and the assault on the Capitol and Trump and Biden's and this and that. And now um, we're talking about stuff happening all over the world uh, from Italy's government kind of imploding uh, to Estonia to, to uh, what's happening in Belarus, uh, where they're talking about putting protesters in barbed wire camps. Um, it's a scary world. And when you think about it, it's scary in America, too. That's the, the, the new reality. And I hate that term. Uh, and I don't mean it that way, because 
it doesn't have to be our new reality, but the sort of unreality that has slipped in is fear about political violence, about about political insanity, about not living in a place where people are nice to each other. Um, and all of those things, I think, as I make as I make the point in this piece, are tied to having civil government, citizen controlled government, having a government that is under control. And I think the biggest problem that we have in the United States of America is that we have a government that is not under our control. If you're interested in any of these uh, pieces, if you go to the piece at thisiscommonsense.org, it's going to have links. You know, sometimes maybe it just, there's occasionally where we have one link or two links, but oftentimes there's four links or seven or nine or 11. Um, just because, as, as we've said several times in, in recent weeks, you know, we're learning as we go. This is not, this is not my full time. I'm, I'm not making all the money uh, on this show. This is, a, this is something we do because we, we like doing it. And we're trying to learn things and we're trying to put it out there. And we hope it's interesting. But more than that, we hope it's valuable to you in finding out more about any given subject. And so there are lots of links at the website to more information. There's also, you know, Google and DuckDuckGo and so on, uh, obviously. But these are the ones that that in us looking around thought were the most interesting. So we've done a little bit of the of the legwork or uh, or surfing work for you. And then the other piece that I, I was going to just mention um, and especially if you live in New Jersey, uh, but the truth is this happens everywhere. It's called the $165,000 question. And it's about a gym, uh, that is trying to stay open and is fighting with the government. And during this fight with the government, the government decides that it would be a good idea to just seize $165,000 out of the company's bank account. And this is, you know, again, this is one of these things that the whole world doesn't turn on this, but we, we find again and again that we don't have a very nice government. We don't have, you know, we talk about it so often. I talk about, and you know, everybody who's a policeman should watch, you know, 100 hours of the Andy Griffith show so they can see how Sheriff Andy Taylor handles uh, crime problems. It'd be very educational for them. And I'm afraid they don't get that otherwise. Uh, but the same is true for our government in in we have to realize that if 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 we're involved in a society where the government treats people harshly and obnoxiously and kind of lawlessly, then maybe we ought to internalize that a little bit and go, hey, wait, maybe we should do something different. Because if if you hear it happening in New Jersey or it happened on this highway and they stole all their money and then they couldn't get it back. Uh, I mean, imminent, uh, not imminent domain, uh, uh, civil asset forfeiture uh, has been a way for police to steal from all kinds of people, primarily poor people, for decades. And, you know, we really need to stop that. And, and so often we talk about different things that happen in groups like Institute for Justice, I think they're the, the big ones on, eminent, on uh, not only on eminent domain, but also on uh, criminal or civil asset forfeiture. I don't know why I can't say that today. 
but but anyway, they do wonderful work, and they've helped so many people who are under the boot of a criminal justice system that is out of control. But the problem is, I don't know how big they'd have to get to handle every single case everywhere in the country. Why can't we change these laws so that the police can't take money from people and then force those people to somehow sue to get the money back, even though the police never charged them with any crime? That's just stealing. And it's official legal theft. And societies that allow their governments to steal from people in that sort of just blatant kind of highway robbery way, well, things don't turn out well. It, you know, you, you tell police they can steal from people, you're going to have a higher percentage of people who are kind of thieves going into police work. And you're going to have good policemen who say, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. And maybe just a little tiny bit of the problems in policing are tied not just to racism, but to allowing police to run wild and steal from people without any sort of control whatsoever. That sends the wrong message in the same way that I think if you don't prosecute people who burn down buildings and loot stores and destroy stuff, people are going to start to think that that might be okay. If you don't prosecute people who smash the doors of the Capitol to get in when they're not really, it's not really okay for them to get in right at the moment, that's going to happen again. And so, and, and the truth is, if you allowed people to smash into the Capitol and didn't do anything, and months later there were riots all over the country, well, of course, those rioters might have it in their head that it's okay to do something like that. At least they're more likely to, right? Oh, except I guess that's not how the timing went. The timing went the other way. But so, of course, if people were rioting all summer and nobody was prosecuted for it, People could get that crazy idea in their head that, hey, there's no big consequences. Funny how that works. Anyway, so let's, uh, now that we haven't covered anything, now that we've dealt with all the things that we're not talking about, <laughs> you know, there are two scripts this week, and the, the first one uh, was where we got to use Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, That's the second one. This is unity means divide, not dividing. Yeah, well, it was the second. Uh, was it the second one? Yeah, January twentieth. Oh, you're right. Gosh, I hate it when you're right. Um, you're right. That was the second one. That was uh, inauguration day. That's why we got to use his full name. That was very exciting. Um, but we we kind of called out Biden on this very gently. I thought, although I'm sure I'm sure Biden enthusiasts didn't think it was gentle enough. But Biden came out. Um, and then you picked up on this at the at the at the time. Uh, in fact, we discussed it, but I didn't, didn't do anything on it uh, at that point. But that Biden had come out and really made a big deal. And others I heard other people say the same thing that, wow, if you, you know, if you were you know black and you were at the Capitol and did something like that, you know, I, I guess everybody would be mowed down by by gunfire and, and hundreds dead or something. 
And, um, and it just seemed to me to be one, a strange take that, I mean, somebody was shot and killed, um, by police and two policemen died from what appeared to be injuries in the melee. So, um, that's, that's kind of murder, uh, potentially it's certainly in, you know, manslaughter and, and serious, serious stuff. So, um, you know, it's not as if the police had no response. And of course there were some, there was some film of police allowing people to get by or something. And it's hard to know what the context of that was. You know, we don't, we don't live in a society in which, the government releases information and the media prints information in kind of a nonpartisan way to where we would know stuff. So there's still all kinds of things that you really don't have much of a grasp on. Yeah, you know, I never paid much attention to, you know, all the, all the you know, complaints about police letting people into the building. But, you know, I've been in that building while Congress is in session. I've walked around. They've let me in. So... Even if there was a protest outside, there's no real reason a bunch of people couldn't be let in the building. Is when that... when were you last in the Capitol? Well, that was might have been 50 years ago. It's uh, it's and and I've been in the Capitol many many times throughout my adult life. You know, for the last 30, 40 years, 60, 80, 100 years. Um, after 9/11, and especially a few years after, you know, they they you used to be able to drive down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue past the White House. You know, yeah, like, there's the house over there. That's you're what driving. we did. We did it in our yes. Ford LTD. My, my, my well, that's been, that, that whole highway's been closed down now. Right. And there's all kinds, you can get a truck bomb or whatever. And, and uh, um, and you know, look, some of these some of these things make some sense. Well, I, don't, uh, I don't mind that that kind of restriction makes perfect sense to me. I don't, I don't see what the, yeah. that's not a big deal. Well, I, you know, I'm, I kind of think that had, had we been smarter about how we dealt with the world, we'd be less um, less afraid of truck bombs. But well, uh, but yeah. you never know because crazy people are crazy. So, um, but the Congress is a it's much tougher to get into the Capitol than it used to be. Well, we sat in the uh -huh. we sat in the in the balcony. We, 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 the, there's an observatory zone. Right. right? That's what we did. Right. That's one. I, I thought people still did that. They do, but I think there's. I know going in. The last time I went in, I went in for a uh, event that talked about uh, organ harvesting in China, and uh, you know where they basically. Oh, you want an organ? Well, let us kill that prisoner over there. <laughs> It'll be fresh, and uh, that's kind of how how they've dealt with political prisoners and Falun Gong and so on, uh, allegedly. And there's a ton of evidence, but but most people don't know anything about that because. I don't know. The media decided it wasn't a big enough story. Um, somehow organ harvesting and killing prisoners to sell their organ to somebody is something that nobody cares about. Um, or or that was the, the decision that was made. Because the only, in fact, that is why I purchased a subscription to the Epic Times, because I was so incensed that there was no press there, except the Epic Times was the only media at that hearing um just despicable anyway that this was a hearing in march of uh 2020 kind of right as as COVID started to take over the country uh and it was a congressional uh event at the capitol an official event but they were talking about the research they had done 
into organ harvesting in China. And uh, it was, uh, and I, I sat next to some people who were Uyghurs and, you know, it, it, uh, it, was, uh, it was an emotional day for me and it just incensed me that there was no press there. Um, except for the Epic Times, and that's why I have a subscription. Anyway, that was kind of a uh, board of a digression from my question about how easy it is to get into the uh, Capitol. You were you were talking about the piece uh, on uh, the twentieth called "Unity Means Not Dividing," and 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 my whole point is, I I think it's weird, <laughs> just weird, if you take from the Capitol that somehow more people should have been gunned down, that somehow you would have been happier had they shot like 17 people instead of there being two policemen and one other person who was killed. Everyone says five. The media reports five people were killed in the Capitol, you know, incursion or whatever the the word, the latest word is. Two people died outside the Capitol, one of a heart attack, one of a stroke, they didn't appear to be involved in any altercation with anyone. And so, I mean, they probably walked a long way or something, but it, it has nothing to do with the with the riot. Um, and and three dead is a, a darn serious event. I don't know how you get to there should have been a lot more people killed or there should have been a lot more people arrested and, and beaten up and so on. It seems to me that in a lot of these things, what you want to do is make peace, get it calmed down, and especially in this day and age of cameras, then take names and maybe kick a little, you know what, um, in terms of filing charges. And and look, I'm not looking for willy-nilly, looking for every, oh, somebody, I think there's going to be a lot of people who walked into the Capitol and you could charge them after, after it had been broken into, who walked with a crowd into it, and you could charge them with something. Why? Why would you do that? They went into the Capitol. They didn't even know probably that they were doing anything wrong. The people who smashed in, throw the book at them. And I mean, you know, if the book is life in prison, I'm not talking about life in prison, but it's a serious, serious thing. And we ought to be able to judge, you know, we all ought to pretty much be able to agree that the person who smashed the glass out and broke in is different than the person who walked in 20 minutes later along with a bunch of other people because there was no resistance to going inside of course uh, but they anyway. did, but they went overkill on a number of areas and they're trying to go over some people are really pushing for it very strongly uh, there's no fly people on no flies list just simply because they were at the protest so there's a yes, lot of weird that, things I mean, that that to me is creepy it's creepy because behind it is this hole, and Glenn Greenwald has already written some very good things. Uh, kind of my my favorite guy on the on the uh, left, and and maybe the only journalist left in America. Uh, he's not in America, maybe that's why. He uh, he's talking about how they want to do all of this. You know, after after nine eleven, the government got huge powers and abused them. They abused them to suck up all of our information, all of our telephone calls all of our social media, all of our bank and, and financial records, you know, the government just stole it all. And the truth is Bush and or Obama should have been impeached over it. And instead, unless they could say, I didn't know about it and I'm now firing all these people and then prosecuting them for violating your rights, they should have been impeached. And yet, you know, 
pretty much nothing happened. But he's pointing out that they'd like to do the same thing now, that we need to investigate anybody who said that said anything we don't like, basically, who's on the other side of us politically, we ought to investigate. So there, there is all of that, I think, coming uh, if, if we don't stop it, if there isn't pushback from the public. But, um, but this particular instance, not only does it strike me as weird that, that the first thing you think about is somehow you wish there would have been more, you know, a heavier police beating people up or something. Maybe you meant a heavier presence, and certainly there should have been, but that doesn't have anything to do with race. And so it, it strikes me as odd to... To go there immediately because it just struck me that it doesn't have to do with race. And there's no evidence that police last summer, you know, that I was aware of were more vicious to protesters. Well, lo and behold, um, uh, Eugene Volkloff, uh, Volok, Eugene Volok, um, does a piece uh, for the Volok conspiracy, and it's done with uh, it's done in, under the auspices of reason about what did happen with the police response in all these different cities throughout the summer. So, so Biden and others want to march out with the big takeaway is look how easy white people were treated by the police compared to black or brown people, uh, and I think there's other colors, but who knows? Anyway. Um, he found stand-down order after stand-down order. He found, I mean, think about it. Seattle, they had an autonomous region. I mean, if, if, if protesters, if the Trump rally people would have declared part of Washington an autonomous zone where the federal government and the, and the city couldn't get in, and 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 the mayor of DC went well. What can we do? Kind of let's just you know live and let live. I don't know. That's not what happened. So so not only is this weird racial reaction, but it turns out it's totally false. No, most people kind of know that. It's just that it's hard to remember some things. It's especially hard to remember true things when people are telling you lies all the time. When you're talking with somebody who's saying something that seems to be the opposite of the truth, it's sometimes sometimes difficult to actually say, well, wait, wait, let's go back to this. I mean, it's yes. even to this moment, I don't have Google necessarily on me when I'm walking, you know, when I'm walking down the road. The dog and me when we're walking down the road and somebody waylays me and starts regaling me with the uh, the uh, hor horrific events in whatever city we're talking about, in this case, Washington, I don't necessarily have access to the Internet. No, it is. The Internet's nice for that, for fact checking. Do you know that before the Internet, I remember during when I was running Ron Paul's ballot drives uh, when he ran for president as a libertarian in 88, I used to carry an almanac around with me, you know, one of the little almanacs and uh, not so little. It's not like you can carry it in your pocket, but uh, but I would have it in the car and I can't tell you how many times I've been in a discussion with someone. I go, ah, that's all right. You know, oh, well, you say this, I say that, but we'll never know. Well, no, 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 we will. I've got an almanac in my car and I would go to the almanac. You know, they'd say the, the population of some city is much bigger than another city. And I would go get the almanac and go, see, no, it's not. And I would show them in the almanac. So... There was a way even before Google and DuckDuckGo and whoever else. But uh, I'm, I am a Googler and I have to 
I have to get away from Google and help the world go to others. But I have not been impressed with any of the other um, search engines that I've used. I, I, I only use DuckDuckGo. I, I don't see anything wrong with DuckDuckGo. What's wrong with DuckDuckGo? Maybe it's just you get used to it being presented in a certain way. But I'll tell you, I, I do. I have long been frustrated with Google because a lot of times I'm looking for a specific story about, you know, something. And I don't want to necessarily go to that paper and search there, especially because so many of the papers have horrible search engines. But uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of post some keywords. And lots of times I just I can't get that story through Google. I'm just I, I'm going to. And sometimes it's on the other side of something. And I will just see story after story after story on the other side. So Google will give me 47 stories or, or 12 that are one way when I'm trying to find a story that's going the other way, that has a different perspective on it. So, it, you know, there's, there's no question in my mind that, uh, that there's problems there. And we're about to talk about America's speech, but I want people to know that unity means not dividing was the uh, title uh, of the piece on Inauguration Day that suggested that, you know, Joe, if you if you really want to unify us, maybe recognizing where we're already united. And one, you know, really, he touches on in that in all of that, he touches on places where we're very united. We are united in favor of criminal justice reform. Anyone who's seen the polling on all these different criminal justice reform issues, it's off the charts. Whether you're conservative, liberal, doesn't matter whether it's rural, city, people are for criminal justice reform. Our so-called leaders have done almost zero. Trump got one national piece of legislation through that was not bad. Uh, but, I mean, they, there's so much that could have been done that wasn't. The other thing that we're united about is that we're united that when you burn down a building or loot a store, that it's, it's not good. It's a crime. It should be prosecuted. And we're united in that if you smash through the barriers at the Capitol, that there should be consequences and that that's wrong. And that is true across all racial groups, all political persuasions. And I just wish that we had a president who would speak to that. And I'm, I'm, I don't know that Trump really spoke to it in the way that I'd like to see someone speak to it, uh, but he did better than Biden in that Biden first reaction was to divide the country on race in a way that was false. The underlying premise of his argument was untrue. And so it's, it's, it's disappointing. And, and it doesn't mean you can't talk about race. It doesn't mean that there isn't some racism, but it doesn't help to defeat whatever racism there is to call things that aren't racism, racism, or to make everything about race. It's it kind of, you, you create a situation in which people stop listening to you because they know everything is about that for you. It's, it's a big mistake. I think it's worse than that. I think the reason we have an alt-right today is because the left has been pushing insane anti-racism. Is they've been lying about race, and so of course, I mean, it also they're so anti-white. It's just weird. The left yes. is so weirdly anti-white and kind of creepily so. 
mainly because it's mostly white people who are saying it, and that's just that's just kind of weird. Uh, but I, I think the reason the the uh, the alt right got any traction at all in 2015 and 16 was the result of just how overboard the left goes, and the le- left is still doing it. And if we mean the left, we mean anyone. You know, center and Democratic Party on left. I mean, because Biden is Biden is not the epitome of leftism in America. Uh, I mean, no, no. he really is. Though well, he talks to learn. He's yeah, trying he, to learn. Yeah. Well, um, you know, maybe he, maybe this is maybe it's his brain cell activity going lower that allows him to learn that nonsense. Do you remember? I, I was going to say that one of the things that I find most heartbreaking is the idea that that someone who is black, a kid would want the white doll or think that the white doll is better or prettier or whatever than the black doll. I find that just devastating and tragic and horrible because you know that that comes from outside and it's just heartbreaking. It reminds me of back in the 60s, they had the little thing about they they did a test with students where they told the kids that blue eyed kids are smarter than brown eyed kids. And then they did the thing where they told the kids the brown eyed kids are smarter than the blue eyed kids. And of course, the kids tended to believe it and tended to like live and play into it. And so those those sorts of things are just horrible. And there's no question that, uh, you know, I was when with my first kid, I was talking, I uh, have a friend who uh, is a is a house husband a lot. He also works, but he's kind of the main home, the caregiver to the kids. And we were discussing because I have had that same experience for about six, eight months with my my oldest. Uh, My wife was working and I was working part time, but was home uh, full time. You know, every commercial is written for somebody else in the commercials where you're you're doing the laundry. But then you see on TV, it's the guy who's an idiot who doesn't know how to do the laundry. And it's the woman who knows how to do the laundry because the ads are playing to their audience, which is 99 percent women or something or 94 or whatever. And so I I can relate to what it is um, to be to feel out of place because somehow you're not supposed to be there. I, I was supposed to be a woman or, you know, someone else was supposed to be a different color. That's crap. And we need to fight back against that in every way possible. At the same time, my life wasn't over. I didn't, you know, I didn't jump off the roof or something. It, You know, you, you kind of do the best you can. But what it says to me is it's the same tragedy when you hear someone who is white say something derogatory about themselves as if somehow that's part of that came with their skin, like baked into their skin was that they're an oppressor or something. And most white people throughout history have not been oppressors. Most people have not been oppressors. Don't let the oppressors off the damn hook by pretending that it's an entire race of people. It's not. And and so it really is. It's depressing to see that. And of course, it's going to have all kinds of weird outgrowths that aren't healthy because at its base, it's not healthy. People should not like or dislike themselves because of the color of their skin. And they ought to stop pretending that somehow the color of their skin is the 
extent to which they can be this or that. You can be anything you want to be. I mean, it's just these are like such basic things. And I think to some degree for for my generation, which grew up with busing, which I think did make some progress. You know, most people were very opposed, including Joe Biden. Uh, and not very opposed, but he was somewhat uh, opposed and was kind of on the on the uh, anti-busing side uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. And, um, you know, my parents were certainly anti-busing because the, the federal government has no right to tell us that we've got to do this or that or whatever. Um, and, you know, they, there wasn't a racist bone in their body. But it it actually worked, I think, pretty well, just because if you put people together, people are people. And they're going to learn. They're going to. I mean, it was it was a totally the government forcing this or that. But in reality, it was kids showing up at school. And and I'll tell you, before I was bused to a school that had large numbers of people who were black, I had met blacks. I remember in New Jersey that a black man, when I was probably seven years old, helped me across this this street uh, that went through the park to get to the other side because there were so many cars coming, you know, and he realized that I was, I wasn't sure I could get across. I had one in, in my elementary school, there was one uh, black kid who was uh, a pretty smart kid and a really good uh, basketball player. He was on the high school team. His mother was the, one of the custodians at the school. And that's how he was able to go to the school. So of course there was no interaction. And then at football games, if you walked across, sometimes black kids would come and try to bum money from you, a quarter. That was a lot of money back then. <laughs> Nobody's bumming quarters today. It's like, no, nah, nah, I don't want your quarter, thanks. But anyway, um, that's not a very healthy view of people from another race. And, uh, and so, the second you go to school, I have a friend on Facebook that I'm so happy we reconnected, Carolyn Johnson, and her name's not Johnson now because she's married and it's something else. Uh, Irving, Irving is her name now. But we reconnected on, on Facebook. She's the neatest person. The second, day one, her locker's here, my locker's here, said something, I said something. It's like, she's a neat person. And and you realized within moments that there are all kinds of different people who have that skin pigmentation, just like shock. There's all kinds of people who are different who have my pigmentation. And, and so I'm just saying that it was a it, it turned out to be, I think, a very positive event. And um, and I I think that what has happened in recent times is the opposite. It's not positive. It isn't, it isn't bringing people together uh, on racial lines or any other. It's ripping the country apart. And uh, and when you think back, uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, others, I don't think any of them, you know, and it was a different time. Maybe they couldn't ask for everything they wanted, but it, there was no request to rip apart American society. In fact, the calls for change were predicated on doing what the American dream is all about, what our constitution is about, what freedom is about. Now, you know, there's a little um, perversion here or there, like, like there always is going to be. But in essence, 
in in a very big way, they reached to what people held dear. They didn't and and said, we hold that dear too. Let us have that. It, it, when when uh, gay marriage was first talked about, I realized this is the best issue in the world for equal rights for people who are gay because they're not asking for some special, you know, don't let someone discriminate against us or make someone bake some cake or do something else. You're not asking for anything but what other people have. That's all we want is the freedom to marry just like you have the freedom to marry. And of course, the libertarian response is the government ought to have nothing to do with it and say, write any contract, marriage contract you want at your church, at your synagogue, you know, in the, in the you know, park over there, I, wherever you want to do it, write it up and, and the courts will defend any legal contract. So, so the truth is that the government shouldn't be involved in a way saying you can't marry or you can or anything else. But um, it just seems to me you you have the opportunity to bring people together and kind of say we want part of what we all recognize is important to our society or we hate the society. This society is evil. Let's tear it down. And and we're living in a world where let's tear it down. And that's 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 not good. How's that for a sharp? That's not very good. Yeah, there you are. Well, that was one script. Uh, somehow it was one script. <laughs> yes. But we, we, we don't have to talk for too long about America as speech um, because we talk about it so often and we will talk about it again. But um this this ran on Tuesday, and I just uh, I just wanted to call out what Alexandria Ocasio Cortez had said um, on a on a Twitter uh, feed with her supporters, and someone had asked her a question, and she pointed out that and I'll read it exactly. I think I can squint. Several members of Congress in some of my discussions have brought up media literacy. Media literacy is okay to talk about because that is a part of what happened here, meaning the capital attack. And we're going to have to figure out how we rein in our media environment so that you can't just spew disinformation and misinformation. Now, I'm not here to defend disinformation or misinformation. In fact, we spent the, the first part of this podcast complaining about the Washington Post's uh, ample supply of both of those. Um, but one, it immediately came to mind that, of course, AOC had been attacked for saying things that just weren't true. And when she was attacked, said, oh, some people are so particular about what's accurate, but they don't see the moral side of things. Well, if you have a government that's deciding what is true and not allowing anybody to say anything but what is true, according to the government, there's not going to be any moral side of anything. And it's the antithesis of everything that America is about. Push comes to shove. As we always say, America is all about free speech. That's our gift to the world, as I say at the end of the script, or was. Um, 
And it's scary. And one of the things I point out uh, here, too, is that in a separate story about what's happening in Hong Kong uh, and Taiwan as well, in terms of their concern that, you know, Trump is really the first president, even in fact, in the Epic Times, I read a quote by the incoming uh, Secretary of State uh, that the Trump administration's position on uh, Taiwan and China and Hong Kong, China issues was very good. Didn't read it in the Washington Post. They didn't tell me that. But the Epic Times is a direct quote. I, th I think it's accurate. Uh, the truth is Trump stood up to China in a way that no other president has. It's just the, the, the facts of the matter. And it could be because Trump just, you know, he had a brain tumor and it caused him to do it. And so, you know, whatever. He did it because he just wanted to fight with China. I don't know why he did it, but he's the only president who has not kowtowed to the CCP and the Chinazis. Um, but interestingly enough, one of the things that, that uh, a, uh, a media commentator in Taiwan said really stuck out, and he made the point, and he was talking about Twitter shutting down Donald Trump um, and shutting down other people and this whole thing going on in the U.S. And he pointed out that you know, you've got people in China constantly using a VPN, constantly trying to get information, getting past the firewall, the great wall, the great firewall of China to get real information instead of the BS that the government feeds them in China, where they control everything. And then to come to the West and to the United States and get truncated information, information that is maybe not quite as controlled as the Chinazis control their country, but still controlled by the government and by big tech, which of course we've pointed out, you know, there's, there's all kinds of money going back and forth. The government and the deep state is in bed with big tech. And, um, and so there's, there's huge problems with this, not just being the free market. Uh, and, but, but I mean, think about it from the, from the way someone in China or Taiwan or Hong Kong would look at it to, to escape now Hong Kong, they're going to have that to escape that and come to the West and get nothing because we've decided we're going to start emulating their model. This is freedom is all about free speech. It always has been. And free speech is public enemy number one in China. And it is becoming an enemy of much of the government and much of the political class in the United States of America. And that is scary. I said that this was the scariest story in the last week. I had, I had someone who I think was saying, oh, you're saying it's scarier than them breaking into the Capitol. Well, look, I, I'll buy you a, a calendar. That's not how weeks go. That was two weeks. This, this happened, you know, more than a week after that. But there's lots of scary stories out there. There's nothing scarier than politicians thinking they can rein in the media and that the media isn't scared about it. You almost have to kind of step back. Why would the media not be scared of the government threatening to rein in the media? Maybe in the same way that 
Exxon and other companies like that are not that scared of the energy department. Maybe it's part of the whole regulatory capture that in essence, regulation is usually not at all fearful to the big players. They'll, they'll pay the cost of regulation. It's the startup that's going to have trouble coming up with the money to pay the cost of regulation along with everything else and competing with the big boys. And so maybe that's why the media doesn't really worry so much about the government reigning in the media, because they'll be reigning in their competition, not them. Well, there we are. That was for the third week of 2021, the week in which we got Joe Biden, middle name Robinette. <laughs> As our fearless leader. As a fearless leader. And he's a junior. <laughs>